I'm Victoria, and this podcast is all about running, marathon training, and run coaching. It is packed with useful tips to help you grow as a runner. I am a 13-time Boston qualifier and mom of two who started running as an adult. I learned a lot on my journey, and in 2014, I launched an online run coaching business to help other runners. Now, we employ several run coaches and are one of the largest online run coaching companies. We teach you the secrets to reaching your potential in the sport of running. We give real talk discussing personal stories of injuries, setbacks, and PRs. Think of this as a conversation with serial marathoners who share the lessons that we learned along the way. This is the Run for PRs podcast. This episode is all about winter running and our favorite gear, tips for staying safe, and how to navigate running in these freezing temperatures. So a lot of athletes want to continue their running and their training, but it's starting to get really cold out there in certain parts of the country. Not only is it cold, but many of us will soon have to battle the elements of snow and ice, which can make things particularly dangerous. We are a coaching company that's located in Minneapolis, Minnesota, so we do have a few tips up our sleeves to share with you in terms of running in these cold winter months. So just to break down what we're going to talk about in this podcast episode, it's going to be loaded with a lot of information. Um, the first section will be about how to ease into things and how to navigate winter running. So some people, winter running's on a spectrum, right? Some people, it's like they, they go outside no matter what. Other people really don't like to run outside at all. And so we're going to talk about how you can ease yourself in and finding what works best for you easing into things with winter running. We're also going to be talking about buying the proper gear. So I've heard the quote before, there's no such thing as bad weather. It's just not the right gear to be running in. But um, so we'll talk a little bit about different gear that we recommend for things that are a little bit colder because once that wind chill starts getting up there and we're talking about freezing temperatures, it's really important to be prepared so you're not getting windburn or you're not getting um, frostbite, which can be common in those sub-zero temperatures. Then we'll talk a little bit about footwear. Um, so when it comes to ice, in particular, ice and snow, that's probably the most dangerous part of winter running, even if you have the right gear. So we're gonna talk a little bit about navigating, like should you run outside, should you not, and maybe what some good footwear could be for avoiding slipping and that sort of thing. Then we're going to talk a little bit about the science of running in colder temperatures. So about this time of year, I start to get some messages that come in from just followers on our social media page. People will often ask, how do you run outside in this weather? Um, I'd love to run outside, but my lungs burn or I physically can't run in this type of weather. So we're gonna talk a little bit about the science of running in colder temperatures and what research shows for that. We'll also talk a little bit about the whole myth of will going outside in cold temperatures make you sick um, and ways that you can kind of avoid anything associated with that. And then we'll also talk about the slowdown effect. So how many seconds per mile you might slow down 
when it is colder outside versus um, like that perfect running temperature of like 50 degrees. Because a lot of the times in the summer we talk about, oh, you know, slow down when it is hot. But when you're also talking about extreme in the cold, there is also a delta. Um, you will be slowing down. And I think that maybe is a little bit more intuitive for some people, but um, we'll talk about the science there. So easing into things, um, Jason, talk to me a little bit about your personal experience, um, either coaching runners, because I know you used to lead uh, um, a group at Lifetime Fitness and you guys would run outside. You try to run outside year round, but obviously sometimes if you're hosting a group run, it's all about what the group wants to do. So like majority almost rules in that case. And I know sometimes you would do reserving treadmills at the Lifetime Fitness instead of going outside. So kind of what were some of those guidelines and what do you find works really well for people who want to obviously run outside a little bit, but navigating a whole winter season mm -hmm. where it's cold, snowy, icy? Yeah, I think, you know, thinking back to those times, it's, it was really about just assessing where the group is and their experience with running in colder temps, you know, and and kind of talking with them, getting getting that idea of uh, what kind of gear do they have, you know, or if it's snowing outside but it's warm out, um, just looking at like gear, do people have the right shoes to be going outside, that sort of thing to prevent them from slipping. Um, but as far as like cold temps go, you know, we'd always look at basically that, that real feel. So assessing the wind chill versus the temperature and anything below zero, we typically would shy away from going outside. Um, so single digits, we'd probably go out as long as there's uh, interest and um, that was kind of our kind of our uh, guideline, and obviously you were running here in the Midwest at 6 p.m., so it was it was dark out too. So you need to be thinking about um, having the proper um, uh, clothing or lights so that people see you when you're outside too. So yeah, definitely. And then I think just like throwing rules out there, like oh, you know, 10 degrees. Sometimes people are like, wow, that's that's crazy. That's so that's so cold. And so what I like to think about doing. Um, or recommend doing for my athletes or anyone who asks me about this is say, hey, you know, those first couple of days where it starts to get colder, like even this winter in October, we had snow, we had some days where it was like single digit wind chills. It was, it was like unseasonably mm -hmm. cold um, very early on. And I really wasn't used to that. I was used to like 60, 70 degrees. And so like that first day, where you're running in like 20 degrees, it was extremely shocking to me. And I was like, how on earth have I ever ran in, you know, like a negative 40 wind chill? Like it just, it seemed mm -hmm. unfathomable. And so when we say easing into things, I think just giving yourself grace to experience different temperatures, different temperature drops and realizing that like, hey, you know, the first cold day, it might feel really, really cold. And so don't judge the entire winter by that one time that you ran outside in November or October because it you can get used to it and kind of like acclimate to the cold and acclimate to what type of gear you need to wear because there is mm -hmm. a little bit of a learning curve there. Um, so even just starting with like a short, easy run outside, like I know the run group that you used to lead, it was like a shorter, easy run. And I think that if you're able to go outside for like a 30 minute short run, that kind of gives your body a chance to, okay, this is what it feels like to run in 20 degrees. What sort of gear do I need to adjust for next time? Or just to ease into it. You don't need to like go out and do a 20 miler in 20 degrees the first day that it's cold, right? Um, so just thinking about those things and you don't need to feel like you need to go all in on this. 
one thing. So I know in Minnesota, there are, there's like a group of people who like, they will never ever run on a treadmill. And it's almost like a, I don't know if it's like a pride thing or just, it. it's like a badge of honor maybe that people wear. They're like, I never use the treadmill. I go outside no matter what the, the weather is. And I think on social media, especially this time of year, we post a lot of reels about like running on the treadmill and sometimes I'll do videos of me running on the treadmill and it kind of gets like a lot of flack and a lot of hate for some reason in the running community. People will be like, you know, quote unquote, that doesn't count. Um, These are just direct quotes that I get from people on social media. And obviously there's trolls that say everything, but I have actually heard people in the running community say things like this to other runners. And so... How can we kind of like debunk that myth and make people not feel guilty for choosing the treadmill, especially if it's like one of their first sprinters or maybe they just don't like running in the cold? Yeah, I mean, this is a great, a great uh, question. And I think each individual athlete is on their own journey in terms of what they're trying to accomplish with their training. And so some days it might make sense to stay inside and to hammer out a workout on the treadmill so that you can... Um, you know, dial into the paces that you feel you want to hit. Because if it's really windy or cold outside or the roads are kind of, um, I guess, a little bit sketchy in terms of like ice or snow, that can throw a wrench in your in your plans of being able to do a workout. And so I think we just can't judge people and we just need to um, support them and hit the like button instead of leaving a comment that's negative. Um, mm-hmm. That's really what it boils down to and not worrying so much about other people's runs. Um, and the other thing is the comparison game, right? Like don't always compare and, um, you know, weather is different across the country. You know, we might get different weather up here in, in Minnesota than people in Chicago get, even though we're both from the north, you know. And so um, you mentioned about the, the weather in the fall, how that sometimes feels different, um, you know, so those first colder days when it's like 20 degrees in November or December, that might feel a lot different than it does in, um, you know, January, February, when you're kind of used to it and you're acclimated to it. And so I liked how you talked about just don't give up on winter running if you have a bad experience right off the bat. You know, make some adjustments, figure out what what you wore. Do you need to add layers? What do you need to do to stay warm? Maybe you were too hot on the first run because you overdressed. Um, And so that could be an opportunity there to kind of figure out, okay, well, this is what the wind chill was this day. So actually, I probably don't need this unless it's this cold. So kind of just making those um, those changes, and I think over time, some runners, they enjoy running outside in the cold. It can be really cold, and they might like to just go out there because it's a challenge, right? Other runners, um, they might like to run in the snow, or they'll, they don't like to run in the snow. That could be like their, their thing that kind of, um, you know, directs them away from the from winter running. And so I think just kind of figuring out, you know, to each their own and, and figuring out what it is, it, what tools or what resources do you need to be able to make running more tolerable outside. Yeah, definitely. I think it's just like all about finding what works really for you. And for me, a lot of the reasons why I'll do treadmill runs, we just don't get a lot of sunlight here. I mean, people in Alaska have it really bad, right? Like it's hardly ever sunlight there. But if you're waking up and trying to run before you start your work day or whatever, um, it's going to be in the complete pitch black. And so for me, it just doesn't really sound all that appealing. One of the appeals to running outside for me is the sun. I like to be able to see, you know, the right. sun, right? It, it's a healthy um, thing for our eyes to see, for us to experience. Um, that's what it's all about, right? So sometimes I will try to figure out how can I get a run in sometime during the week that's in the sunlight. So maybe that's adjusting things like working a little bit before and then 
doing like a lunch run, that sort mm-hmm. of thing, where it's like the warmest time of day. Um, and then being able to get some sunlight. And maybe that's just on a day where I have like an easy five mile run. And so sometimes it's all about like adjusting your schedule and seeing if you can like optimize things. Um, and I know up here in the north, a lot of people don't really get outside during the day and they're not really getting that sun exposure. So you can almost like kill two birds with one stone if you try to set up your schedule to optimize that. Next, um, I know what we were talking about is like easing into things and making adjustments based on what you're wearing. So a lot of winter running is like making sure you're wearing the right gear for you. And it's going to vary. So that's why we don't really have like a breakdown like, oh, if it's 10 degrees, wear this. If it's 20 degrees, wear this. Because everyone has like different preferences for what they want Mm -hmm. to wear in that type of weather. Me, for example, I typically like to, some people would say I like overdress based on what the the weather is. Like um, if it's 38 and I have a race, I'm wearing long sleeves and tights, like full, I'm full covered. Other people would be like, oh no, I'm wearing shorts and, and a tank top, but to each their own, right? And then even just recently this winter, I, I have running friends and I'll always be surprised like what other people show up wearing because I'll be wearing like three layers. Um, I just like to maybe like dress in layers and if the sun comes out, you can always ditch a layer. Um, but other people, it seems like in the running community or maybe you go to run groups and you notice that people are like dressed way down compared to you. Like maybe they're wearing shorts in 40 degrees. Um, I think again, finding what works well for you and then don't like let anyone pressure you into feeling like you need to wear a certain attire in a certain weather, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned kind of the differences because I've noticed just with you and I how sometimes like if we're just going out in public and it's a certain temperature you're gonna you're gonna dress wearing a heavier jacket than i am right yes but if it's like an easy run i feel like sometimes i see you running i'm like you only have like one layer on how do you not wear a jacket right and i like to have um you know a jacket a thermal plus a jacket you're always wearing jackets just if it's windy but then if it's like a workout well then maybe i'll wear less so it kind of depends on just what what i plan to do out there on that day and i'll always look at the wind um and it might have something to do with the time of year too because you know if it's 35 degrees well that in march that feels different or in february that feels a lot nicer than it does in in november so it might just depend but um the other thing about the darkness you mentioned like some people they just they run either in the morning or at night a lot of times it's it's really hard to wake up and um want to leave like your warm bed and think about going outside in the dark in the cold right and so it might just be easier it might even be a huge time saver to hop on the treadmill because you think about all that gear you have to put on um and wash yeah right and so just like it just it's a lot of extra steps um and it does require some extra planning too um and then too it's just sometimes more convenient to be at home near a bathroom if you yeah because a lot of times in the winter the porta potties are gone out out where we live they're already gone they were gone uh, a few weeks after labor day so um that's another thing you have to think about too so definitely all really good things to think about and so as we move into like the gear proponent um i kind of classify a lot of this gear as stuff that you would wear if the real field temperature is below freezing and so that's like below 32 degrees fahrenheit zero degrees celsius um it might be overkill for some people like i have friends that wear shorts in that weather but Me personally, I start to kind of ease into a lot of my really warm um, winter running gear and oftentimes start dressing in layers even at this point. Um, So just kind of going down the list, 
Uh, like you mentioned, you really like to wear jackets, even if it's probably, I've seen you do it in like the 40 degree um, range before. So weatherproof jackets are, I think, really important, especially here in Minnesota. I just feel like the wind chill, it, right. it's so windy in the winter. And so you can have these days where it's like 18, 20 mile an hour winds. And it doesn't really matter like how many layers you have, how much thermal stuff you have on. If you don't have a windproof jacket you're kind of screwed yeah i'd rather almost wear like a thinner base layer and a very thin jacket just to have some right. resistance than to have like a thick base layer you know or a thick right. jacket um and so i think yeah it'll just depend but typically below that freezing mark that's when you should think about having something that that um is a weatherproof jacket whether it's for the wind or the, the cold um some of the, i know we've collected a few boston jackets over the years and so those are pretty versatile like you can wear those um, I've worn them really in zero degrees if I have enough base layers on underneath, but I like to wear them and then just layer underneath them and they're good to wear all the way up into the mid thirties. Um, or even well, 40 degrees, I start to get kind of hot. So probably around that freezing is where I'd start to choose that type of jacket. But obviously if it's below zero, then I'm going to be looking for something a little bit, um, you know, designed better for winter. And I'll turn to a lot of the ski brands out there. And so two that come to mind are, um, Solomon and Dolly. The, Dolly's kind of a newer mm. brand. I think it's maybe, I don't know if it's Swedish, but it is, I think it's European. Um, I'm seeing it pop up a lot more in our local running stores. I know you wear my Dolly gloves that I bought, and so they're just really good. Mm. Um, they're a good brand that has, they specialize in like a lot of winter, winter So this gear. is like a cross-country ski Correct. sort of situation. And that's actually a really good point, because if you go into like Nike or something, right, you have to think Nike is designing this stuff for like people who maybe live in Texas, Florida, right? So sometimes I feel like, you know, you, you go to like the big name brands, you have to think they're really specialized in running only, and that's like the whole U.S. But if you're going to a winter-specific sport line, like a cross-country um, skiing situation, right. the temperatures have to be like freezing or below in right. order to be doing that sport. And so it's really a more um, a warmer brand. So if you're someone who mm -hmm. lives in <clears throat> one of these colder states like we do, that could also be a really good option just for everyday winter running right so a lot of their brands this even the gloves like you were mentioning it can be a really good um thing to have in your pocket so some of those ski brands could be really good to look into yeah and for gloves too is the same thing like i think craft is another brand that makes a lot of popular ski um you know clothing and so just looking for like a thicker glove i know we'll wear like those knit gloves um probably until it's about 20 degrees or so and then when it's below 20 you start to want something that is a bit warmer so that it keeps your hands warm so i like the craft and the dolly um, one of them has kind of the mitten flap that kind of folds over so that's kind of nice it's like an extra option if you are if your hands are getting cold you can fold that over so um, that's kind of what i like to use for gloves but uh it always seems like we misplace them too so i don't think you can ever have enough pairs of gloves yeah weatherproof jacket yeah one final thing on that um you can get them pretty much anywhere, right? Like every brand makes a weatherproof jacket. And I think some of them are like really, really expensive. Like Nike, sometimes I'll see they have like these $300 jackets. So it's not like you have to get like one of these big name, big brand, super expensive ones. You can probably get something that's pretty like low maintenance, low key that kind of does the trick. Um, I like to go for one that's a little bit heavier, more durable, that's gonna be pretty windproof as opposed to something that's just like flimsy, right? Like you can tell by almost feeling these things if it's gonna be durable durable or not. Um, if you live somewhere where potentially it rains a lot and you are looking for like something that's weatherproof in that um, regard, 
I know during the 2018 Boston Marathon, we all kind of panicked the night before because it was going to be like hurricane-like rain and uh, they think like 40 degrees, right? So it was all like, what do, what do you wear in that sort of um, weather for running a marathon? And we found a North Face store out mm-hmm. in Boston and I bought this like, what would it be? A waterproof right. jacket. It was just yeah. like a raincoat, basically. <laughs> waterproof jacket by North Face. And that thing is like actually... It's pretty thin too. Yeah. Yeah, it was like pretty, pretty breathable. But that's something that I would even potentially wear if it's like a zero degree um, wind chill day where it's very cold because it is very like wind resistant. Right. Um, and it's also obviously waterproof. So not that it rains in those conditions, but I have worn it when it rains and it's 30, 40 degrees, it's something that keeps you warm. So that's always a good option. I like how you mentioned the gloves because I do think that's probably the most common question that I get on social media. Like what type of gloves are you wearing? So we actually just buy like a bunch of cotton gloves at Target for like a dollar. They're like a dollar, right? They're just very cheaply made and those work really well um in temperatures that are maybe above freezing so above 32 degrees fahrenheit but once you start getting below that with a wind chill um you do start needing something that's more heavy duty and even like the i think they're the craft gloves or Mm -hmm. dolly or whatever brand even those if they're gloves i feel like they just don't do it for me in the very very cold so i'll use those really big they're called choppers so if you're looking for something like that just um google search chopper mittens and those things will keep your hands really really warm and oftentimes you'll see them priced at like 60 dollars. and the reason being is that they're so like insulated Mm -hmm. um and i find that those are really the only things that will keep my hands yep warm in zero degrees Yep. I, yeah, I've been skiing a little bit more the last few winters, and I've gone to the running stores, and I've looked at all the brands, and I've asked questions, and sometimes I even have to wear hand warmers inside the gloves yep. because my hands, even though I'm, you know, it's probably because I'm gripping the poles, but I have to keep something warm in there, otherwise my fingers will freeze. And so, um, yeah, most brands do have a decent glove, like Saucony, I know, has like a kind of a medium glove that I'll wear in like the 20s, um, but once that temp really is cold, like zero or the wind chill zero, then I need something a little bit more um thicker like you were mentioning um same with the jackets like i know Mm. sometimes the jackets they have like these down jackets now which don't you wouldn't think are that um, warm because they're they're lightweight right so they're very light but you do stay warm in them especially with a strong base layer underneath so you kind of have to weigh the options like do i want something that feels sort of lighter and like maybe it might be a slightly puffy or do you want something that's kind of like a thicker shell um and think about restriction too as you're running, you know, when you're lifting your elbows and stuff. So kind of put it on and and kind of feel, kind of get a feel for how it's going to make you feel. Um, so that's a good thing to try too is when you wear those jackets, it might be okay to be slightly, you know, a half size up or whatever. But right, and one of the benefits of like wearing an actual jacket type deal um, instead of something that's so like a Boston jacket or like a Solomon jacket, like is you can use it's versatile so like in the spring it's like a spring jacket you could wear when it's like 50 degrees or whatever or 40 degrees um so there's a lot of ways that you can make this um versatile and so obviously a lot of this stuff is pricey when you start thinking about oh my gosh i have to buy this and that and this um but i think if it's like your first winter running you're trying to save money just kind of go with what you already have right i have some athletes who live over in the east coast probably like maryland new jersey area 
and they'll run in like sweatshirts, right? So they just kind of bundle up. They just wear things that they have and that really works well for them. And I think if the temperatures aren't dropping too terribly below freezing or below 20, that it's, it can work. So mm -hmm. don't feel like you have to get all these things. These are just like options for if you're looking to maybe have more um, options in your wardrobe for when you have to go outside in these cold winter days. And it is nice to go get this stuff from like a local running store just because, you know, you can buy it at Dick's or Kohl's or whatever, probably too, but you know, you're supporting your local running community. Plus you can ask them maybe some questions. I know I, a lot of them are really, um, they like they're very active too so they they wear this mm -hmm. stuff right they're skiers or they're runners or whatever and so asking them questions like when i wanted new pants i kind of told them like i want it for these types of cold days you know and when the wind chills this cold what would you recommend so then they they give you the recommendations and so you know with with tights it's for guys i know i just like to wear just like a pretty thin layer of tights to cover your legs but then if it's really cold i'll have like a like maybe a little thicker layer instead which is more of like a I guess I don't even know the brands. I think I, it's the same brand. It's it's always like Kraft or Solomon. Um, but my go-to is Nike tights unless it's like below. If it's single digits, then I'll wear something a little bit thicker. Um, but yeah, that's kind of that's kind of how I figure out what to wear for for pants. Yeah, definitely. And I've noticed, gosh, the first couple of years that I was doing winter running, I would always my legs would get so cold, and I just thought, oh, that's normal. Like because I was wearing winter running tights, but mm -hmm. I would just get so cold. So now. Um, I can only wear like those thermal, um, cross country type, cross country skiing right. tights that are like weatherproof. So they're extremely thick thermal and they have like, almost like a windproof situation on the entire leg portion. And I will need to wear, um, just like a regular tights. And then I put those weatherproof tights on over that if I'm running in anything below zero um so sometimes you do have to kind of double up especially if you're going out in some crazy <clears throat> weather conditions but that's the beauty of it is you can dress in layers and if you get too hot you can always like make adjustments on the fly but i think investing in those thermal tights and i have them from craft i believe mm -hmm. There is like a game changer for how long you can stay out there and for how you feel when you come back and right. how you feel when you're out there on the run. Like I don't even notice that I'm cold anymore. And for a really long time, that was like the big thing is my legs would just get so cold. Right. Yep. And for guys, like I always, I started wearing like a half tight underneath just to mm -hmm. give you extra thermal protection. Um, Cause yeah, if you didn't, certain parts would be freezing when you come in. And um, as far as <laughs> moving on up to like the face, thinking about that, the face mask is super key. So for me, when I look at running outside, the two things I'm gonna worry most about if it's that cold is my face and my hands, right? So I wanna make sure I have the right, uh, cause my body temp is probably gonna be okay in the core. So I really wanna make sure that my face, if it's really windy and it's like below zero, I wanna have a, a good face mask. And so I think some of the brands we've collected over the years with Smartwool has a, has a good one. Mm. Um, I can't even think of the other one, but we we rotate th through a few, and so some of them are very flexible in that you can put them above your nose, and then you can drop it down b below the nose or even down below the chin. And it's nice, I think, to have that option so that you can, if you get warm, you know, you can always um, loosen it up. So yeah. So 
And then I have like this thermal face mask. I don't even know where we got it. I think we got it at a local running store. And people are always asking like, where'd you get that? <laughs> um, and I honestly don't know. But I think if you go to your local running stores or if you're kind of going on Amazon and, and Googling some terms that like you might get something that pops up. But the way that I like to think about it is these really, they have to be made of a thermal material. So just like a flimsy regular like face mask probably isn't going to cut it. Um, I like to look for things that are have that like soft, almost fuzzy on the inside, and then right. on the outside, it's almost like that hard, weatherproof type. Um, it feels very durable and wind resistant. Um, and those are going to be like the warmest, especially in those sub-zero days. Going to be super key to have those sort of things. Um, another thing people will ask about is the socks. How do your feet stay warm? Um, we haven't really had to deal with that yet this winter, but there are some socks that definitely are helpful so smart wool socks i oftentimes will just do <clears throat> my regular socks and then i put like smart wool socks on and then i'll wear um, a winter running shoe so it's again <laughs> in layers um that's for you know sub-zero temperatures and also making sure that you're not just look at what you're wearing on your feet right so if your feet are getting cold like what type of shoe are you wearing because a lot of the running right. shoes it's very surprising, but they have, I mean, there's like holes in them, right? right? Like readable. it's just, it's, yep. they're designed to keep your feet cool. And so you might need to switch up what type of shoes you're wearing because if the air is getting through there, even if you're wearing warm socks, like you're going to freeze. And so you need to kind of adjust your footwear, which I get it is tough because the winter running shoes that I wear are just brutal. Like I just, I cannot run fast in them at all. They feel clunky. They feel right. like I'm wearing cleats. It's just not not my thing but they help keep you safe and so moving into um proper footwear yeah, i think can definitely give some people yeah. ideas yeah um you know with with the socks i remember a time i was wearing i accidentally grabbed the wrong pair once when i was probably in my my, my younger 20s and oh, i was running inside with a pair of i think darn tough or smart wool and my feet were getting really hot and i couldn't figure out why and i was like oh crap you're wearing those socks but so they do make a difference and on really cold days i'll make sure i grab one of my thicker pair of socks um and then for shoes yeah some people you know for snow and ice a lot of people like the yak tracks i i was never a fan i think i only wore them once to try them out when you bought them mm -hmm. but i would prefer just Oof. like a winter specific shoe yes it's a little bit clunkier but it's not as like clunky as a yak track so um, the kind that I used to get was the Nike uh, Turbo Shield, I think. It's like a Pegasus shoe, but there are other brands. I know Saucony has one, and um, you know your local running store usually has at least one or two different brands every winter, um, I would assume. And so just trying them on and going with kind of what feels more comfortable. Um, but it is a game changer in terms of not having to worry so much when you do come across like a slick area. Um, you still obviously need to always be a little bit careful, but you can definitely tell how... Um, you're not you're not just gonna like slip like you normally would if you wore your regular shoes. Yeah, definitely, and that just brings up the whole topic of like what is a yak track and what like. So last winter, almost every winter when I wear them or I'll post about them, people are like, "Ooh, what's what's on your foot? Like, what are you wearing? Should I get them?" And I know where these people live, like, because <laughs> you go and you're like, "No, I'm pretty sure you're from like Missouri or whatever," um, where I don't think it really is as snowy right so the yak track is really something you should only be using if there is no contact with your shoe and the ground, the ground yeah. like the actual sidewalk or pavement or whatever so if you are running in conditions where your shoe or the yak track will not touch 
the pavement, sidewalk, wherever you're running, then the act track is great because what it does is it allows you to kind of not sink all the way down into the snow. It's really almost like a snowshoe. Um, Not so much like, it's not like 100% like, oh yeah, snowshoe, but it's for maybe when there's like four plus inches of snow on the ground, that's where it's really prime. Like before the plows come through, it's like running on packed snow or on freshly laid snow. And so I will really only use Yak Tracks if we get a fresh snow and it's a Sunday, Saturday or something and I'm going out earlier than the plows and there's just fresh snow everywhere. Um, if you run with Yak Tracks and you're making contact with the ground, it's actually kind of painful. They're not really designed to be constantly touching the ground because there's like springs on them and there's like metal in them and so it can it's hard on your body to wear these things and I've also noticed over the years that it can be hard on your feet and on your um, calves and so you really want if you're like a lower leg if you have any sort of like lower leg or foot injury you want to be really conscious of that when you're doing this and don't um, use yak tracks like every single day right kind of ease into them because it is almost like a different sport so you don't want to go from like no yak track miles to like 50 miles a week yak track miles like it's maybe like okay you can do the first week maybe like a six mile run in your yak tracks next week maybe you're doing two runs like a six and a five maybe the next week you do like a six a six and a seven or i don't know but just ease into using them and kind of know your limits and so if you feel like oh you know my calf is a little achy after doing this or my foot Mm -hmm. um hurts maybe they're not the best option um it'll almost be better to like run on the treadmill if you feel like some of these tools are injuring you um and yak tracks since they're designed to keep you from sinking all the way into the snow you almost have to wear them with a waterproof shoe so like a trail shoe or just your winter running shoe if you wear them with like say an alpha fly or something you're just gonna get soaking wet feet right. and so that's something to also think about um but i do think the the winter running shoes are definitely a game changer <clears throat> i look at the bottom of all the shoes that i wear in the spring summer and early fall before um any sort of ice and there's like zero traction on them right. and it's actually really scary to think that yep. Oh my gosh, what if I were to go out and run on kind of some slick spot? You would just fall straight down. So it's really nice to have um, at least something that has some traction so that you're able to stay safe. But again, it's about kind of slowing down and gauging. Like if it's icy or if it's dark out, if it's below 30 and it snowed and there might be some slick spots, you shouldn't be doing a workout outside if there's ice so just kind of knowing the situation knowing the surroundings and knowing like what these shoes can do for you yeah the traction on them is really key that's what keeps you you know more solid and it's sort of like if you are familiar with the north or you've ever put snow tires on a, on a vehicle how it just feels that much more like dependable in the in the winter it's sort of the same thing when those are on the bottom of your feet you just feel a lot more secure with your running and like any new shoe, when you try it out for the first time, or a new condition rather, we're talking about cold weather running, you should introduce it in small bouts um, yep. so you're not overdoing it. So you, if you do get these little aches and pains, your body has time to sort of recover from that. Um, you know, spending a little bit more time doing the foot drills or the, you know, the calf work, that sort of thing, if you're noticing a little soreness. Um, 
Definitely. And one more thing on like not footwear, but it's more about clothing, is the dressing in layers concept. Um, it is really important to make sure that you have that tight base layer that's going to keep your core yep. warm. Um, it might be kind of obvious to some people, but tucking it in and making sure it stays really tight on your body is key. Because sometimes if you're wearing a base layer that's not tight on your body and maybe it's not tucked in and then you're wearing like a jacket or something a little bit baggy on top of that, the wind can just like go right through yeah. up in there and then your core is going to start getting colder. Um, so wanting to make sure things are like tucked in and very tight so that there is no skin exposure to any sort of elements or winds because even if you are covered from head to tail toe if you have something that is allowing air to go inward like right. through up your shirt or through maybe this the cuff of your sleeve um, that's gonna make you colder than you need to be so just thinking ahead there but I think diving into like the last portion of this podcast is just more about the science of running in colder temperatures and this is something that Definitely we get asked about a lot and I think maybe there are some misconceptions out there. Maybe we should have started with this part because we probably lost a couple people when we started diving in. Oh, this is what you need to wear um, below 30 degrees if you're running outside in the cold. But a lot of people want to know like is running bad for your lungs in the cold? So yeah, basically, you know, by the time the air gets all the way down to the lungs, it's, it's already warmed up to your body temperature. So um, it's not dangerous. Um, you know, there's only been a few cases where even like Nordic skiers have, um, you know, and who train at very elite levels, um, uh -huh. in the very, very cold temps where they have some issues, but oh, really? I was on, yeah, I was unable to find any specific examples of that, but okay. it just said the elite huh. Nordic ski population is one group that's reported some lung damage, but Interesting. they're exerting such a high effort and well, for they a long period of time. Very, very cold. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. So, um, yeah, huh. but as far as like, you know, the way, so you, you, your, the air reaches the body temperature by the time it gets to your lungs, but that frigid temperature as it's kind of, as you're inhaling it, it mm -hmm. can still cause some irritation in your airways, right? And so that right. can leave you feeling like a little bit of a shortness of breath or yes. even like chest tightness when you're done yep. or give you a cough. And yeah. so I know those first real cold days, or if you just like, aren't used to running the cold at all and you decide to go out one day and it's like freezing, you might feel kind of cruddy when you come oh, yeah. in for the first few minutes. Um, and hopefully um, the recommendations are you should feel back to normal within a few hours. And if you don't, then that's when you want to seek like medical attention. But um, it's totally normal for your throat to be, be a little dried out um, or to have a cough. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> well, and that's like the biggest thing that I, well, and here I am like kind of coughing and clearing my throat a lot during this podcast because I ran outside in the cold today. So it's just like, I don't, usually I wouldn't even notice that, but because we're recording this podcast, I'm like, oh yeah, maybe I am having a little bit of um, residual agitation from a run I did a little bit earlier. But I think the bottom line is that sometimes when people will go outside and maybe they have that cough because it is, it is almost like shocking to like the back of the throat, trachea, because there's so many like, the bronchial tubes. I don't know. Um, and maybe that's causing the cough as opposed to, you know, some sort of lung damage thing going on. Um, just kind of normalizing the fact that it might, you might have some of these symptoms maybe when you first are going out for your run. And then that drastic temperature change from being outside, then going inside right. can cause maybe like some phlegm. And, and that can be what is leading to some of the, the coughing and whatnot. Well, and the hope is as the seasons change, your body sort of slowly adapts to the cold temps, right? So you don't go from running in 60 degrees to running in 10 degrees, you know? So you've had 
an opportunity to, wholly, uh, to hopefully acclimate to the colder temperatures as they come in. So then by the time, you know, it's January and it's below zero, <laughs> if you choose around outside, it's not like a huge shock. But um, I think that, um, you know, the the reason the air, it can make your throat feel that way is there's no real, there's no humidity in the air, right? Mm. And so we think about, we always have to buy like humidifiers for our home or for our bedroom in the wintertime. And that's one reason, just because the air has very little moisture in it. So it's normal, I think, to kind of feel like it's dry uh, in the wintertime. Yeah. Yeah, there's like a lot of weird symptoms I think you can get from uh, running outside. But that's another uh, thing that I hear. And we were just at, um, like one of our kids had this like kids race series and it was really cold. And one of the parents was like yelling at their kid, like put on a hat or you're going to get sick. And I mm. think we've all heard some variation of that growing up. Like, don't go outside. Well, you're going to get, you'll get a cold It went in the cold and that sort of thing. Um, so did you find any like science or research based on like, will it make you sick running? in the cold and like why is this such a common myth i think or or commonly used phrase well you know when they talk about running in the cold you do need to protect your extremities so the heat right. will escape through your head and, you're, and so you want to wear a hat and like a face covering to keep yourself okay. and even by having a face covering over um, your mouth or your nose that helps kind of um, warm the air as it as you inhale it so um i guess that um that would be kind of the way to introduce cold weather running if it's really new to you is wear a face mask so that um, when you're in, breathing in the air, you know, you're, it's had time to humidify the air a little bit for you. Uh, but no, I didn't find anything as far as like getting sick from it. They say people that are maybe less aerobically fit or who have asthma um, or if they're suffering from like a current respiratory illness, they're a bit more susceptible to mm -hmm. having problems. So you probably don't want to go outside if you're feeling under the weather, that sort of thing. Um, Let's see, what else? So well, One of the things my cross-country coach in college would always say, because we would run outside in the cold a lot, or in the rain, because a lot of the times it'll be like, it, no one wants to run in the rain because they they'll get sick. That's right. kind of the... But he was like, when you're outside running, your core temperature is high if you're dressed appropriately, right? right? So everything's all good there. It's when you come in, or if you were to stop running. So really, during like the... 2018 Boston Marathon a lot of the times when people were having to drop out it's because like their core temperature dropped so much either from not being dressed enough like just bad clothing choices because they're freezing right those sort of things but I always was scared if I have to stop and walk right. to the finish for whatever reason it's, it's over for me because right. like I will get hypothermia because it's when you're staying in motion when you're going and you're running and you're keeping your heart rate up and you're adequately dressed, your heart rate is keeping your core temperature up. All of that, it's all good. Um, but as soon as you stop, that's when core body temperature is just gonna start to plummet. And so if you're wearing something that is cold already, so you have to think that when you are sweating, it's making everything wet. So mm -hmm. your core layer is all wet. And then if you stand outside in those conditions after, I mean, your core temperature can just start to plummet. And so he was always saying, change. You have to bring a change of clothes. Right. And as soon as we get inside, you are right. changing. Like you're not gonna wear a wet sports bra. And I think that's the thing for women is, if you're wearing this wet, tight sports bra, yep. like strapped to you, I mean, that's freezing. And so sometimes I will have to just like, as soon as I get home, like just have something to quickly change into because man if you don't take all of those tight articles of clothing off that are 
so cold right away, I start to get worried that I'm going to maybe start shivering or that sort of thing. And if you do find Mm -hmm. after a run, you are shivering or that it could be a sign like you need to take these layers off sooner because you shouldn't be feeling um right that core temperature drop that quickly i know times you've driven home from like your 20 mile runs in the cold and you're shivering by the time you oh, get yeah. in the house because you've been wearing the wet stuff yeah or at least the sports bra you know for right for, for 10, 10 minutes, minutes. Yeah. yeah and the other thing about the cough thing too is you know a lot of times in the winter time i like coming in from a cold run because it, there's just something that it's so like cleansing right it feels so good to come oh, inside God. Uh, but if you're someone that's noticing the cough a lot, the best thing you can maybe do is take a hot shower so that um, the humidity in the shower can help moisten the lungs, the the mucous membranes that have been dried off from the cold. And so that could help speed up the you know feeling of returning to normal. So yeah, and another thing I've kind of noticed is that like the cough or like the phlegm, it is worse for me if I do a speed workout. So like let's say I'm doing a workout, not a speed, but like something faster than an easy pace. Um, and then I'll come inside. It seems like the phlegm, the cop, all that stuff is, is worse. And so right. that part of me wonders if that's kind of where a lot of people are getting this from is that they're going outside, maybe trying to run fast, going a gray zone. Cause most people right. run gray zone. They don't run easy. Yeah. And so then they're coughing a lot when they get inside for me, I, I guess I just am like more used to it, but I, I think not getting too worried about if you're having like a little residual cough for a couple minutes upon coming inside, just because a lot of that I think is phlegm related. Um, so then going to the, how, how will you slow down in the cold? And this is actually really interesting. I haven't looked too much into this. Um, how many seconds per mile based on temperature? So there's not like all these charts out there on the internet like there are for heat and humidity, <laughs> right. right? Because I think everyone is different and like the different parts of the country can just be so, so Well, and no, so, not a lot of people are running in like negative 20. Right. There's probably just not a lot of data right. on it. Yeah, I mean, the, really, <laughs> God, the only study I could find was like uh, a study that said about 27 seconds per mile if it's under 10 degrees. But it's oh, like, well, what, wow, about, what about if it's 20 degrees, right? And so you can okay. kind of do the math and think about that. So. It'll uh, obviously if you take a Floridian who's not used to the cold, right, and they come and they run oh in like forty God. degrees or they thirty degrees, they're probably gonna slow down by 10, 15, 20 seconds per oh, mile. For sure. But like a Minnesotan, yes, we might not slow down until twenty seven seconds per mile until it's like zero degrees. Or that's even... actually a lot. Thirty seconds per mile. It can but be. It Here... makes sense though. I mean that's cold. Ten degrees is cold. So like with a right. wind chill. Oh my gosh. Wow. So a few of the reasons why. Think about this. In- you're increasing your layers, right? That adds weight and restriction. And, and kind of drag to your body, which could oh, slow you down. Oh, of course. Oh, yeah. Um, so that's one reason, just that's, alone, the actual that clothes. That um, yeah. Two would be like, you think about the blood flow. And when it's that cold out, where is the blood flow? Right. It's typically keeping your vital organs warm first, and then oh it will God. be delivered to the muscles that need it the most, right? And so <gasps> if you're kind of getting into a deficit where your muscles are requiring all this oxygen because you're pushing the pace, um, the blood just may not be able to get there like it could when it's 50 degrees. And so... Um, you're going to slow down slightly. Um, obviously, it is sort of a, you know, the more in shape you are, the more used to the cold you are, I think mm. you'll be able to get away with, um, you know, a slight or a lesser of a decline in your pace. But right. very interesting to think about It this. is interesting. And what I've noticed is when you wear those thermal tights, they are pretty restrictive in terms of range of motion. I feel like 
it's your stride length harder. might get off too. Yeah, slightly. it's harder or to run if you're run wearing different shoes. Right, the bounce from your shoes, right? Like right. Each stride. Can yeah, be... it, it's it's off. There's yeah. something about it. But but if I wear the leggings that are very mobile, kind of like the Lululemon Align, way too cold. You cannot wear those in the cold. My legs will like freeze, and so then it's like the lesser of two evils. Either you're not getting enough mobility. Or your legs are freezing, and so if your legs are cold, that's why we do a warm-up, right? To warm up the muscles. But if your muscles are freezing, you just cannot get them to go. So I think that there's a whole science definitely there to the muscles starting to get cold when you're out in the cold. And I think that can definitely impact your performance for sure, especially if you're underdressed because you might be sitting there like shivering, your muscles are, you know, you're so cold. Um, mm -hmm. So I definitely think that's why it's important to maybe err on the side of overdressing than underdressing in some of those situations right, exactly. because you can always sweat a little bit more and be a little bit warmer. But once you start getting cold, it's like, well, you could go into hypothermia, frostbite, performance. Right. Just think about how slow like our phones work in the cold. Right? Oh my God, and they so turn off. Yeah, our nerves transmit slower signals to our body yes. when it's that cold. And so it can lead to just less efficient muscle contraction too um, with the colder it is. But yeah, I think the better you are dressed and if you're somewhat used to the cold, it might affect you a little bit less. Um, it really just depends. But I think you can definitely, you know, up here in Minnesota, if you're used to running in it, right? I think you might be running the same paces unless it's, well, the wind too is oh. really the thing in the in the wintertime that to me, that's what slows you down because if it's super cold and the wind's hitting you, hitting you in the face, that can make, that can just feel a lot colder. Um, right. Well, and I remember last winter, I think there were like a few workouts I would do and it's all about almost like effort kind of when you're out there in like jan february like you don't really know what's going on you feel like oh my gosh am i losing so much fitness you're just kind of like trusting that once the weather becomes a little bit nicer out like once it hits above 20 degrees and there's not ice on the ground that mm -hmm. hey my paces are going to snap back to where they were in the fall and there definitely is almost always that worry there. And then it always it always goes back. So I do think there is that delta. More so for us, I think it's the footing um, that really holds things back because you might get a really good stretch where there's no ice on the ground or, right. or for like half of a mile. And then all of a sudden you have to like dodge all these ice chunks and right. it's just Someone like, a, didn't oh, shovel it's their so frustrating. Or yeah. yeah. Or like you're running in the street. Or it's a slope and crowd. the snow just uh, melted down, right. you know, and then it's causing And then you don't want to, you don't want to like fall. And so yeah. you're always like adjusting things. It's just like a battle. Almost. It's kind of like in the spring too, you deal with all that with the yeah. puddles and the snow melts. It's like six months. How you just have to make adjustments to your workout sometimes or even scope out the the routes ahead of time. I know oh. there's so many times when we drive the kids to like oh daycare sometimes we were like looking at the roads, like scoping out the sidewalks. Um, or it's we awful. run on the road and stay off the sidewalks because sometimes that's safer. But. Right. Well, and that brings up a good point is we're always kind of looking at where is the city plowing? And I think we talked about this last year on the podcast we did about winter running, but where we used to live, we used to live in Crystal, um, Minnesota, and they do not plow the sidewalks all winter it's not plowed they the city does not provide that as a service to the citizens in that city we moved to plymouth 
oh my gosh, they plow all, like all the oh, sidewalks. Yeah. Like it's a major, it's a big deal. And I am like, whoa, okay, maybe that's where our tax dollars are going. But I think these are like good things to maybe think about, especially if you're maybe younger and you're looking at like, where should I live? And like, you're really into running or you're really into like getting out during the winter. Cause I noticed a lot of people will like walk their dogs. Like people are out and about in the winter here. Whereas if you live somewhere where they're not plowing sidewalks, like you can't, there's really nowhere right. you can go. Um, the lakes, they used to be really good about plowing. I've heard that things have gotten worse in recent years and it's not really yeah, as great. There used to be times you would drive, you know, 20 minutes just to yeah. be guaranteed better running conditions. So footing. yeah, something to think about too, especially if you're trying to crack out like a long run, um, it might be worth, um, you know, worth the it. drive. Yeah. Especially right. like on the weekends, if you have more time or maybe there's like a day during the week where you just have more time to, to do a run, maybe making those drives, making that little effort. Because I know when we used to live in, in Crystal where they didn't plow the sidewalks. Yeah. It was really frustrating and we almost always had to drive somewhere, but I also think I utilize the treadmill a lot more. And so again, utilizing your resources and realizing that some people who are posting that they're running outside all the time in the cold, they could be living in a, in a little suburb like where we live, where everything things plowed all the time and that's not really fair to compare if your city doesn't plow at all and there's literally nowhere for you to run and so it's like no one really knows the situation like you do so you got to use the tools that you have and do what's best for you yeah i think this has been a fun podcast you know winter running it can seem really daunting at first when i have athletes that um have moved maybe to the midwest from like california oh, or gosh. moved north you know they always are a little bit skeptical of, of winter running oh, for the first time but you know typically we you kind of got to introduce it in bouts and then, and, and then it doesn't seem as overwhelming, right? It's sort of like racing too. If you've raced in the rain before, it doesn't seem as uh, big of a deal if you're, if it's raining or pouring rain at your next race, you know, that sort of thing. So it's all about kind of putting yourself in these situations. You can gain a lot of mental toughness, I think, from training in oh, these conditions. I think that's why sure. a lot of people like to pride themselves on running in the cold is because they just... They like the way that it makes them feel, right? They had to overcome several challenges. Maybe it was the wind, the cold, maybe the snowy route, whatever it was. Right. So. Yeah. And then going back to that whole like Boston 2018 situation, um, I don't know if this is right or not, oh, but Des, Des did. Yeah. Doesn't she live in, up in, she Michigan. Lived in Michigan? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure if she was training there for the cycle, but like, hey, I don't know. She ended up winning the race. Yeah. And that was another thing. Like I knew when I was there, like I was going to be able to finish the race just because like, I'm used to those temperatures, right? Like the cold, the wind. Right. So I'm like, I just need to make sure I'm wearing proper right. gear. Yep. And so I think a lot of people from Minnesota also kind of maybe had the same mindset, but I know some people from like Florida, California, they were like, I've never felt that in my life. Right. And so that's just tough when it's like your first time, you've never felt it before. And then you have to go and run like a marathon in it. I just think, wow, that, that must've been like way, way harder for some of those people from, um, like the warm states, right? But I mean, everyone has their strengths and weaknesses of where they are able to train. I think a lot of Minnesotans, if we had to run in like really, really warm temperatures for a race, we would probably be um, definitely outperformed by everyone who lives in a warm state. And so there is that advantage to living somewhere where it's cold because like you said, mental toughness, um, I think that maybe it builds that, but you could also make the argument that Running on the treadmill builds mental toughness. And so right. it's it's about what you're right. maybe not used to, right? right. And forcing yourself to try something new. And every year you might only get a handful of days that you feel are favorable weather days, right? For you to run in. And so mm -hmm. all those other days where you choose to go out and run, whether it's too hot or too cold, like think about how you're just 
you're making these small deposits and in the mental toughness game that you are creating for yourself. And so I think that that is going to pay off when you get into a tough spot in a race. Right. And that's the thing is it doesn't have to be like desirable conditions. And if you are running in something that you don't want to run in and you don't want to be out there doing it, like you said, it makes it so that on race day, you can pull from all these experiences in your training. Mm -hmm. Like I really didn't want to go out and do that 10 mile run in negative 10 degree wind chill, but oh yeah, that was a lot worse than where I'm at today. Or I've been in that mental well of not wanting to do it, not wanting to be there and still having to push through and finish. And I think every time that we do something that's really hard that we didn't want to do, that we didn't think we could do, that we're really uncomfortable doing, we're able to, like you said, build from that mental well. And then on race day, we're able to almost like prove ourselves like, hey, no, I felt worse than this before in a training run. I've been places where I didn't want to be before during training and I made it through to the other side and that's really what running is all about it's not really about being comfortable all the time it's about doing these uncomfortable things going outside of our comfort zone so that we can grow as a person as a runner and really that's what running is all about I think sometimes people think it's supposed to feel easy it's supposed to like get to this place of feeling effortless but I feel mm-hmm. like at least for me the faster I've gotten on race day like the more uncomfortable and like the least excited I am to be out there racing because I just know like how uncomfortable it's going to be but that's how it goes it's like you don't always feel like it's going to be this easy thing it's always a challenge and so you want to be challenging yourself in those ways every day and what better way to do that than by in training doing something that where Mm-hmm. you're uncomfortable like running outside in the cold when you really don't want to do it and i'm someone who i literally i hate the cold i i don't really you don't do know why we lot, live though. there yeah yeah i think um but that's the thing is i think people <laughs> think oh she must like it like no i really don't um just like some people hate summer running like i have so many friends where they're like oh my gosh like anything above 60 i hate and it's just like they still go out there and they do it in the summer and so just thinking about every person has their season that they enjoy and so you can kind of learn and grow in each season sometimes you love the weather sometimes you don't but just keep showing up right right i think it's really it's really important to be like flexible too with your training because the weather it is so uncontrollable and Mm -hmm. you don't have to be so stubborn and like do your your workout or your long run in really crappy conditions if you really don't want to like if you see later in the week it's going to be a lot nicer or it's going to be warmer which means like the sidewalk should be clear you know you can you can make those minor adjustments to your training so that you have a a better experience um you know you're still getting your running maybe on that day but uh, rather than just like doing it on the treadmill instead you could wait a couple days Mm -hmm. and do the hard workout you know when it's a little bit better out and so you know i think that there's this this conception we always have to be like mentally tough and that doesn't mean that you're not mentally tough if you make a smart like swap around with your training you know yes i hate that stigma of like anytime we post a reel about like the treadmill or a post oh treadmill running is not real running it's it's so dumb treadmill running is real running you're running it's not like an elliptical you're doing the running motion yes there are some differences but bottom line is it's still enabling you to be able to do the workout you're still doing the thing and yeah it would be ideal if we could go outside every day and in life was like this perfect um, like oh there's no ice it's perfect weather all the time and it's safe and you have someone to watch your kids every time you're gonna go on a run and you don't have to run at five in the morning and travel but that's not the reality and so people don't necessarily know your reality and just knowing that yes it is real you're really getting the benefits from running on the treadmill and so doing whatever is right for you on any given day is extremely important 
And so we talked a lot about winter running on this podcast and actually 19 coaches we have at Run for PRs and I'd say, I think, yeah, no, all of them live where it, where it snows, right? So we have a lot of coaches who um, specialize in winter running. So if you ever have any questions and you just want to like chat with someone that has been there and they understand like running in the cold, how to stay motivated, how to train um, for a spring race in these conditions, because that can be really tough, right? Like training for Boston in the winter, very challenging. And so all of our coaches definitely have experience doing that and experience helping other runners formulate a plan and make adjustments on the fly based on weather and all of those things. So if that's something you're interested in, you can fill out the form at www.run4prs.com to get connected with a coach for free for a free seven day trial. Again, that's www.runforprs.com. Fill out the form on our website and get set up with a free seven day trial working with a coach. Thanks for tuning in.